I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening, and that just felt right, God didn't it? damn, that made me happy. That just felt right, didn't Can it? we bring that back forever? Uh, we need something different. I'm telling you that. I want that back. I'm, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I Stephanie's not here, I'm, so I'm making an executive decision. I love that song so much. It's, it makes it's, me happy. I mean, it, ha- it had to be done this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have been told that, that was literally the last time the Flyers were fun, guys. Literally. I mean, it, you're it not was. wrong. In fact, when right, leading up to that Winter Classic is the last time I liked them. <laughs> No, I they, they did. Hate they team. did beat the Penguins in that awesome series after. Yeah, but they'd already lost another outdoor game that I paid a bunch of money to get into. Well, that's your own damn fault. <laughs> well, prepare to do that again. <laughs> oh yeah, one hundred percent, absolutely. So let's get the show started. We're already uh, behind. Like I said, my name is Bill Matz, me director of fun and games for the evening. We have a jam-packed show for you. Rookie camp has begun, and that means it's hockey season. Woo, We've already back. played some football games, and that means it's also hockey season. There's pumpkin spice lattes everywhere. Too soon. So let's get it started. Started. Uh, let's lead it off tonight with TheAthletic.com's Charlie O'Connor. So hockey's back, and with that, I'd like to make a point about the open spot of the defense caused by the Andrew McDonald injury, which we will soon be discussing momentarily. Do you think that might come up tonight? Just maybe a little okay. bit. I don't mean to bury this particular guy, but I really don't think that Reese Wilcox should be in the conversation for this open spot, as I've seen him being discussed by people that have written articles about the situation. In my viewings of him, he really hasn't stood out as anything more than a passable AHL defenseman, and often he's looked far worse than that. And per Brad Keffer's manual tracking, he posted a minus 6.65 Corsi relative to his teammates with the Phantoms last year, which was the lowest among regularly high-value D-men. Now, I don't know for sure how the Flyers view him. Maybe he's actually in this competition, and it'll be this big surprise that he gets stays until the end of camp, and he surprises everybody. But for me... He's just not a guy that I would have anywhere near the NHL level yet. Maybe he gets better, but right now I I don't see it. I'm How sorry. How old is Reese Wilcox? Twenty four. I don't under he. Forty six. Is he just like <laughs> he's this year's Cole Bardreau? Like he's just the guy that the Beats have decided that they like for no particular yeah, but, reason. But Bardreau, the Flyers actually do like him. Yeah. I, I can confirm. I don't know if Wilcox is actually liked or if Wilcox is just somebody who's been in the AHL for a couple of years. So it's like, well, I guess he's in the running because somebody has to. Be. I think he's just in the running because everyone's like, oh well, obviously they're going to go with Will yeah, O'Neill again. Like, <laughs> that's just what it's going to be. But they uh, have a Will O'Neill yeah. who's better in T.J. Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> who I would assume is more in the running than Wilcox. But again, we'll see. I'm not saying that he's not in the running. I'm just saying if I was running the team, he would not be in the running. She is. 
Dan Carcillo's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only Kelly Ankle. She was. <laughs> I I don't have a hot take because I How don't. How could you? Right. But uh, I've decided that we're bringing Knock Knock back. At least through the first week of the season. Unless we get a new... If if uh, no, who, I don't want anything else. That just made like I forgot how much joy that that song brought me for a, like an entire year. It's a great song. Every time they won, I play that song in my car for an entire <laughs> hockey season. It was amazing. Fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And this week, filling in for Stephalicious D, Steph Driver, Fly Purpley's own Steve Jaco. Hey guys, I think it's really ha- jacket. Oh, stove jacket. Stove jacket. I asked, uh, I was like, how do, you, how do you pronounce Steve's last name? When and she was like, it's actually stove jacket. I was like, you're a lot of, <laughs> well, you're well, a lot of help, Kelly. Thank you. It's stove jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm also not sure I have so much of a hot take, but I just want to say I'm uh, very excited for Morgan Frost to crush all competition and solidify his place as the Flyers' third line center. Huh. In that would be a lot of fun if that That's happened. That's oh. an adorable dream that you. Have. I actually hope I love dreaming and. Yes. Yeah. I actually hope he beats out Nolan Patrick because that this is my new thing. I haven't even got into oh. this yet. No, you, you, okay, Morgan Frost, not big enough. Let's put him with JVR and let's put him with Voracek. And he just gets to run around out there and they're big guys. And then Nolan Patrick's the 3C and that problem solved itself. So I'm you took my, you what, my lukewarm yeah. take and, <laughs> and you went you spiced it up. blazing hot with that. Of you course had a red pepper flake. He has a towel for that. A, a Limblom <laughs> Patrick Simmons line is one that is well slow, way too slow. A little bit slow. Uh, my, I, I just, this Andrew McDonald injury thing, listen, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to open this with nobody likes to see an injury and he's a really nice guy. And I'm going to say all this because we don't need this preamble of nobody likes to see injuries. And I'm told he's great in the locker room and he's a super good guy. We just don't need all this when discussing it because it's listen, obviously the opportunity created for players we like better because listen on this show every week we spend time burying Andrew McDonald at some point. I get it. We're excited about the opportunity opportunity this creates but just don't say it that way just say hey Andrew McDonald's hurt and this is the opportunity it creates for some other players and then the reader of your article or your tweet or whatever will be able to get excited based on that without saying we're excited about this because I've seen it on Twitter and I I just I've seen it in articles on our own website and I'm not burying anyone on our website I'm just like we don't need this preamble obviously we understand what it means but he's a really nice guy Like the thing is, this happens every time a bad player gets hurt. Like we have to go through this whole performance where we act like we're super sad that he's hurt, and it's like nobody wants Andrew McDonald to be hurt. However, you can intellectually separate the idea that a guy hurt his groin, and that's a bummer for him personally, and the excitement that comes with from the fact that your team's going to be better as a result. He didn't get hit by a car. He didn't suffer a close personal tragedy. He grunted too hard at the gym. He gets he. Gets to sit at home and collect a paycheck for a little while because this isn't the NFL. He doesn't get sent to prison for missing time. Like he just gets to rehab and collect the same money he'd be collecting if he was paying. Quite and, a lot of money, actually. Yeah, and then he'll come back and he'll be a regular in the lineup when he comes back in six weeks, folks. This that isn't is this isn't going to be the end of Andrew McDonald no. in the NHL or in the orange and black. He's going to replace somebody in six weeks, whether it's the players we're going to get into or Travis Sanheim or whoever. I just like. Separate it before you start. To, I, I, I've just been annoyed by it this week. Oh, he's, he's this and he's this. I think Andrew McDonald has more value than 
anyone at this table will say out loud or will will no, really credit him with. I'll say it. He has some value, and we spend a lot of time burying him. And I think a certain aspect of his 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 presence in the lineup will be missed. However, I think the players that could replace him have more. To be fair, I would be very intrigued to see how Andrew McDonald's numbers would look if he was actually used as a third pair defenseman. Yeah, that's the thing. He's like a fine third. I I would be super interested to see if he actually could post pretty good numbers if he was used in the role that he's best suited for, which is a third pair defenseman. Yeah. misses it he has not been using that role on this team ever like if, he was, if he was on nashville as like their second pk guy like maybe he'd be thought of differently you know who's underrated is that amac i know they have that top four but if you really look at what they're doing like i don't know I anyway mean, i think the advanced stats community is always going to have it out for him yeah sure he has just putrid and advanced stats. yes putrid. and all that stuff does like again there's different values to everything he's not very good but I think if utilized the better, is snowballed. Yeah, it's yeah. snowballed. It re- but, and the and the contract certainly comes into play. Things like cap friendly, the numbers all being. I was sure. like uh, reading some like this day in NHL history stuff. Like I totally don't remember talking about money at all back. Like Chris mm-hmm. Gratton gets ten million up front. Nobody like, cares. Alexi Yashin gets like, all these guys. Yeah, you got some money Yeah, it just yeah. didn't matter, and now it does matter, and we know it. It's all public, and that just changes the perception of guys. So let's get into the Andrew McDonald injury. Of course, he is out for six weeks. Uh, what's what what is, what does this really mean for training camp? We're in rookie camp right now, so we're going to get a look at some of the guys who could be battling for that spot. Training camp begins Monday, next Monday. Is that it? Friday. Friday. What is today? Today is Monday. Today is Monday. Shit. Oh, man. A week off and I'm fucked. I know, man. <laughs> What's so happening? it begins Friday. We do tend to record on Monday, still. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, I did this thing last week on Facebook, and I'm way off. Uh, all right. So what does this actually mean for the Philadelphia Flyers, the opportunity it creates? What are we thinking? Full in time, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's the... Well, I, I guess before we get into the camp battle, like... What was what role was he going to play in on on this team if he Travis was Travis Sanheim's he, he, he defensive was, partner he on was the gonna, second pair? Yeah, he was going to be second pair defenseman, and he was going to be one of the top three guys in the penalty kill. Yeah. So you got guys have to move up. You know, players have to move up to take those minutes. Now, whether McDonald was the best player to take those minutes is kind of irrelevant now because you can't do it at least for the first two weeks. So somebody else has to do it. Like my guess, since McDonald tended to play the right-handed defenseman, even though he's actually a lefty. Uh, the right side defenseman on that second pair. Like my guess is they're just going to bump Gudis up. Like I, that would make the most sense to me and just have like probably a Gudis Sandheim second pair because I don't think they want a Gudis Hague second pair since they were very opposed oh to doing God, that all last year. No, thank you. So I'm guessing that's your second pair. And then we like that yeah. pair when they're yeah. together. We like that pair. And then on the penalty kill, like Hague probably jumps up a spot. So now it's probably. Proveroff, um, Gudis, and Hager, your top three, and then your fourth defenseman on the penalty kill is if Folan wins the jo- if Folan wins the job, it's, it's going to be him. But if it's not, that's that would be interesting. If Folan does not get the six, we're going to talk. We'll talk about this in a yeah. second. Who's the fourth penalty killer? Because your three options are probably Sanheim, Gossespierre, and Myers. I would be intrigued to see who they use as the fourth defenseman on the penalty kill if if Myers is the one who gets this job for two weeks. I. Proveroff left off there? Do you no, know Proveroff? No, Pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just I have such a hard right. time believing that Myers is gonna win this job. I think he's got a real shot. So yeah. here's my thing though. Do you really think that even if he is 
the better defenseman in camp, that means he's going to get a spot on the team. Yes. Yep. I, I do. Because okay. I don't, I, I specifically asked Hex all this today because I, I basically posed to him the question of you've been opposed in the past to giving the nine game audition to junior skies. So does yours, does that mentality carry over to what could be a temporary time in the lineup for someone like Myers? Despite the fact that he's a pro, he obviously yeah. doesn't get sent back to juniors. And Hexel is like, no, it's totally different. You know, the fact that he's a pro, mm-hmm. pros have to be aware that you know you might get called up and you might get sent back down. It's just something you have to have to learn. Whereas with junior season, you know, you call, you, you give him the audition, you send him back. It disrupts his whole year. Yeah, and it so, throws off everything. Yeah. This is that is a very that's a great question actually to put one with the other. Not actually, you're you're good at this. Thanks, Paul. Uh, but no, nice uh, because that even if uh, listen, like Myers might not even be any. We don't know if he's NHL ready. He looks good. We all want to see him. Yeah, but it's hey, this is your opportunity. Exactly. And w- even if you win it in camp and you're here and you struggle a little, we're gonna send you back. But then you're still the first call up. Especially Especially with Moran out, this is just what you're going to have to deal with, at least for the first half of this year. This is the prime time for Myers to prove yeah. himself. This is yeah. like, you embrace this if you want that spot. Because this was a choice. big opportunity for him coming into this camp regardless, and now the injury creates an actual light at the end of the tunnel, something to win right now. Yeah, because I don't think, before this injury, I don't think there was any real chance he was going to make this team. The only path I saw, there were two paths I saw to him making this team. One was somebody gets hurt and someone did. The other path, which was just such a like, this isn't going to happen, but I guess theoretically it could, is if Sandheim just sucked in camp and Myers outplayed the hell out of him. I was going to say that was the only other path I saw to him making the team. And I didn't think that was going to happen because number one, I think Sandheim's good. Number two, it's just unlikely. It was just an unlikely scenario all around. Right. And you're not going to have like, Look, Amac's gonna suck, but it's not gonna matter. And if Gouda sucks, it's not gonna matter. Yeah, they're on the team. Yeah, yeah. they're 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 on the team. They're, they're part the established of the veteran guys who are on the team. It's pretty much Sandheim or bust. And we'll get. Front. I just, I have a hard time believing it's gonna be Myers, just because. And this article that we're gonna get to, it was an interview that Dave Isaac did with. Uh, it was a two part piece for uh, Dave Isaac did sitting down with Ron Hextall, and I've just heard Hextall say. Christian Folan's name so many times this offseason. many times. Like, I've just seen, like, oh, yeah, well, we think he's going to help the penalty kill. Oh, how's the seven help the penalty kill? Oh, he's going to play, isn't he? I, I just think I now just, it's, yeah. and he's right-handed. Like, I just see an opportunity to get this guy in, and it's just. I see where you're coming from there, but my. This is why they signed him, What I what, what I've kind of thought about him repeatedly I don't think it's necessarily him saying Fulham's going to play. I think it's more him trying to rhetorically combat the idea that he did absolutely nothing to fix the penalty kill. So it's very it's easy for, you know, when when you press him and you're like, you guys are the 29th best penalty kill in hockey and you didn't do anything in the offseason. It's just like, well, we signed Christian Fulham. Like, it's just a it's just a way to kind of like, I mean, get, a, like to get a little bit of a gotcha in an interview. <laughs> I bought some Band-Aids to <laughs> stick on my gunshot wound. We're fine. <laughs> It is. I mean, yeah, I I have thought that too. I'm like, <laughs> hopefully he's just saying this to be like, no, we did nothing. We just hope like if Wayne Simmons is healthy, we have another forward who's good and the defense is just better because they're older and got better. Yeah. Like, I, I just hope that's what he's saying. But you can't just say, well, I'm hoping for this to happen. So he goes, well, we went out and signed Christian Folan. He's, he's a veteran. He does this. He does that. I'm hoping that's the thought. But... Having watched 
what happens with this team over the last four years now. I just think he's going to be the six or wherever he slots it's, in. It's fair. And and th- this kind of brings us to... And what, I don't think it's the end of the world because Myers is going to be on this team eventually. Full, I do think with Christian Fallen, we've like prematurely written him off as yes. a guy who sucks. Like yes. He might not be bad. He might well, not. Just yeah, penciled I, him in in advance. But, this guy. But he's not Phil Myers. He's, but he's not fun, but like right. he might not be bad. He and that's I, I, I'm entering camp with an open mind to see yeah. what he actually provides. He might be okay. Although we Flyers think, fans are yeah. very averse to fine these days. Like, yeah. fine yeah, is something that is well, it, that, it, that, it is a it is a curse word. That for thing Flyers about fans. the or the Flyers it came out I think last week being literally the most mediocre yeah. team in North America yeah. over the last yeah. four or five years or whatever. And it's yes, contextually we have our excuses and reasons, but. It is, in fact, the case. They are, like, the most mediocre team. Yeah. Science has shown it. Yeah. yeah. The nerds calculated. <laughs> and uh, fine is that. It's, yeah. oh, yeah, well, we brought in Folan. Well, you know, we have all these guys. You've been telling us, all I keep reading about is how great our farm system is. Perhaps we should utilize some of these guys in that role. It, it's, I, fa- it's fair to say, though, that, like... All the guys we want to see do make it. They just make it about like two or three months after yeah. we want them there. So it's not we, we've kind of built this idea in up our heads that, that like, oh, they, they they treat the prospects like crap. They never call them up like they're all pretty much here. Yeah. So I, like there's we, we, we probably like, are like over. We're, we're making too big of a deal about this idea that the Flyers just don't use their prospects. Like, they are. They, this is a young team. Yeah, I know. Well, but we and saw some of the big Sam guys Heim. just make it, though. Some of the big guys like Provorov and, and Patrick just make it. And I'm not saying that San, the Sandheim situation isn't something that's still infuriating, but he played 50 games. Like he played a significant amount of games last year in the NHL, and this year he's probably going to play close to 80 as long as he stays healthy. So, you know. I don't think they're necessarily. I don't think they're necessarily going to hold back Myers. I really don't. And I mean, I certainly hope you're right. Maybe, maybe I'm just optimistic because I've watched Myers so much, and to me, like, I think I, I think Phil Myers is absolutely NHL ready. Now, whether there's a difference between being NHL ready and earning a spot, mm-hmm. like I, I I think if he was tossed in the NHL, he would hold his own. I don't think he's a finished product, but I think he would hold his own, and I think he would slowly improve as one does when they're in the NHL for a longer period of time. But I think he needs to play really well in camp. And just because I think on a crappy team, he would just be a lock. Like, I want him to go out there over the next month and kick ass in camp and and say, I deserve to be on this team, play well in the rookie game, play well in preseason. And then you're like, I, I want this to be a situation where if he doesn't make the team, I can be rightfully really angry. Yeah, and we've seen that even when we've seen guys have good preseasons. Uh, maybe they get sent back, maybe whatever, and then eventually we do see them. It was the biggest travesty in the world last year that Limblom got sent down, and then you but know like, wh- that's the thing though with Limblom. Like, was it? I- yeah, he was better than Dale Weiss, and he was better than Yuri Laterra, but he didn't score in like his first nine yeah. AHL games. He really didn't yeah. score much in preseason. Yeah, that's I was so maybe he did. He could have used that time, and that's what I was getting to. Is we saw the adjustment he had to make in the AHL, but then by the time you know he got called, finally got called up to the NHL, he proved himself a little down there. Got into the got into the AHL All Star game, and then he comes up. He plays well, obviously only the six goals, and didn't play all that well in the playoffs. But overall, if you had to. Cess Oscar Lindblom's, you know, call up. It it was he played well. Yeah. So if that's the path they're going to take with these guys, I don't think it's the end of the world. 
But you see the outrage like right after camp. Yeah. It, he proves himself in camp. And then if he doesn't make it, people just lose their minds. It's just the end of the world. And, and that's an understandable reaction because we want to see these kids. And because we know like it's exciting. Well, it's also we know that the guys at the bottom of this roster are just not that good. Still, there's less of them, but we know that they're just not that good. And it's hard to say with a straight face that, like, yes, I understand that Morgan Frost might not be NHL ready, but it's hard to go to the fans and be like, Yuri Laterra is, is a more is, better. is a right, more effective yeah. NHL player yeah. right now than Morgan Frost would be. It's like, look, Yuri Laterra Morgan Frost amazing. Might, Morgan, <laughs> Morgan Frost might not be NHL ready, but I am fairly confident he is more he would be more effective in the NHL yeah. than Yuri Laterra. He's better at hockey. Yeah. But like that's the like, So it's hard. It's hard yeah. for fans to accept that, which is totally fair. And, and uh, yeah, I get that. It's 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 frustrating. A guy like the bottom of the roster guys, the you know the Brandon Mannings last year. It's like, well, are they really helping us win games? Because that's something else we're going to get to in this uh, this this interview that Dave Isaac did. Because some of these Hextall quotes are really good, and some of them mirror a lot of the things we've been saying. Time to take the next step, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's like, well, if we're trying to win games, what are these guys really doing for us? Like, oh, we need them to kill penalties. Do we? Because they were doing that last year, and we were terrible. Yeah, I mean, they, so, we need to kill penalties, but they're not doing it well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, if we just conceded the goal, the results would be exactly the same. It's almost right, like yeah. there's a coaching issue there. Oh no. <laughs> So yeah, the the battle in camp is going to be what 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 makes it a little bit tougher for Myers is that Myers is not going to make this team as the seven. So no. he needs to go out there and outplay Fallen because if Fallen loses to Myers, Fallen is still making this team. He's just making it as the seven. Whereas with Myers, if Myers loses to Fallen, even if he's and he almost certainly will be the seventh best defenseman at camp, they are not going to keep him around to sit in the press box. So he goes back, and then they're probably going to use like a TJ Brennan type as the seven for the first two weeks until McDonald's back. So Myers actively has to outplay Fallen. I think he can do it. I really do. We he weighed in at two twenty at camp oh, today, wow. which is Martin, nuts. Big boy, like dude, he, I can't wait. He showed. He showed up, and he wants on this team. Like this is a guy who clearly worked his ass off in, a, in in the summer. He wants. He wants to be on this team, and I I, I hope he he shows it on a day in and day out basis over the next month. Uh, outstanding. Uh, now that we're getting into that, you're talking about he showed up to rookie camp today. You were there. Anything noteworthy? Uh, well, the big thing that happened even before it started was Sean Couturier was skating. Yes. That was neat. Yeah, I got in at like, I guess it was maybe a little bit before 10. Like the rookie camp session was supposed to start at 11. I got in a little early because they said there was going to be a veteran informal session starting at 930. And I set up my computer and there's number 14 skating around, <laughs> taking shots like, hey, Sean, you're playing. Uh, so, yeah, he skated. Apparently, this is the first time he skated since the injury. And uh, and yeah, it was just good news. We got access to him. You know, he seemed optimistic with how it was going. Uh, one thing I did want to read off. It was an interesting quote uh, about the injury itself because we haven't been able to talk to Couturier since the injury. And it was just it was just interesting the way he described. It. He said, "You know, I thought I tweaked it. This is during the the charity game. I thought I tweaked it and I kept playing. It really didn't hurt that much." I just came to get it checked out just in case something was wrong. It was worse than I thought, than we thought. I think we were cautious, too. We didn't want to force it. Take more recovery than usual, probably just to make sure I'm ready to go for the season. It's just it's interesting to me that they didn't think this was a big deal either. And I don't know if that's good news, bad news, or just interesting, but it seems like he kind of was like, eh, I just tweak my knee, whatever, no big deal. And they're like, no, you have like a tear or something. It, this it's, is actually horrible. Yeah, this is actually not good. Uh, I'm... 
I'm not pessimistic about it, but it's just, man, is this going to be a continual issue for him? Like, is it something that's just weak now? Or is it something that's going to fully fully heal? And I, I just, I, I'm, I, it's a valid concern. I agree. I'm a little worried. I, I, my hope is that, because now he's going to be wearing the brace full time. Okay. My hope is that that will help him. But I described it like this, because Hextall, Hextall was very clear in saying it's not the same injury. And people took that to mean, oh, like, it's not even the same. Like, is it though? Because the way I the way I explain it is this. Let's say you got a rubber band, okay? And it breaks. So you tape it together, okay? And then a week later, it breaks in a different spot. It's not the exact same injury, but your you, the, the logical response to that is, "Hey, maybe this rubber band is dying." The whole like, thing is weakened. Yeah, so like that's it, it's a little concerning. It's a little concerning. I mean, that's why I'm glad that they're taking a conservative approach. Like I would rather him sit out let's say a whole month to start the season than three months to end the season. So if they want to let him heal up, I'm totally cool with it. And again, the MCL, not the ACL. We all saw what he did in the playoffs after missing one game. uh, It comes back, has the five points with the hat trick. We all watched what Aaron Rodgers did last night with that knee injury, whatever that was. Sometimes you just got to play through some stuff. And if he's able to do that, if they're able to brace it and stabilize it and it's not going to get worse, Charlie, this is my, this, I need you to ask him if he's had, if he's considered just having it removed because <laughs> he's clearly a better player without it. Oh Why aren't these God. guys playing hurt more often? Just hurt yourselves on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Don't hang up and listen. <laughs> he scored five points on a torn MCL. Maybe he's better without it. Maybe MCLs are holding yeah, back. Who even needs Wasn't there, legs. wasn't there a, uh, like a, like a, pitcher maybe like 10 years ago who like didn't have a ucl on his elbow or something and like found out about it 90s movie where the kid gets like some kind of surgery on his shoulder yeah yeah i have it jacked up my arm so it healed and he couldn't throw anymore yeah maybe i have a jacked up right arm from a kid from when i was a kid and as a kid rookie of the year was my favorite movie because i just dreamed maybe i'll be able to throw 100 plus miles an hour out of nowhere any day now it was, it was R.A. Dickey, who was born without a UCL. Oh, right, yeah, and then he started throwing that knuckleball. The knuckleball. Yeah. yeah. All right, so anything else uh, interesting? The ATO guys, uh, you have a note about Limblom here? Yeah, I didn't, I, I honestly wasn't paying super close attention to the ATO guys. I'll probably try to keep a better eye on them tomorrow and uh, and on Wednesday. Uh, and then during the rookie game, obviously. Uh, Myers, to me, was a standout. I just thought yeah. he like he looked as dominant as I thought he should. Uh, Frost looked fast. It's it's very it's really obvious to these rookie camps if you go to them like a fair amount which guys are really trying hard to impress the coaches mm-hmm. and it's always the guys who think they actually have a shot at making the team and so Ma- a, Myers was one and yeah, Frost was another a question about Frost so there was a lot made of the fact that at the trial on the aisle he looked like he had packed on some weight did he look like he was more NHL sized or did he still look small he didn't look much different than how he looked at dev camp which okay. was definitely bigger, bigger than yeah. he did the previous year it was interesting. He didn't. We asked him about how much he weighed, and he basically kind of dodged the question. He was like, "I haven't actually weighed myself since I got here, so I don't know." But I think I'm probably around 180. I don't know. I I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like him dodging the question, or if he actually just has not weighed himself. I I tend to think that like considering how much has been placed on the idea of what his weight is, I would think that would be the first thing I would do if I'm Morgan Frost when I get into Voorhees. Yeah. But maybe he legitimately hasn't. I, he did. He, he was he was very energetic. In the drills, it was very clear whenever they were doing, you know, rate like like line drills, like you know, doing the the bag skates that he was 
desperately trying to win them. Like that's what happens when you're a guy at these camps who thinks he has a shot at making the team. Like you are like, I am going to kill it in every single drill because I am trying to convince them that I'm serious about. And that's something I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't weighed himself just because if the whole thing about it is just his weight. And then he just comes out and shows, hey, I'm a player. Yeah, like, I can be fair. here. That's fair. And then they weigh me and go, oh, well, you don't weigh enough. Like, what kind of bullshit is that? Like, clearly, I'm the best player here. <laughs> like, fuck what I weigh. If I'm 98 pounds and I can outplay everybody, I am a hockey player. I I, I kind of understand that mentality. Yeah, I guess if that's fair. If that's the only thing. And, like, how can Ron Hextall just sit there and go, I think this guy might have 45 points as a rookie, but uh, gotta send him back because he's only 168. Like that yeah. wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, Charlie, I, I think you gotta steal his phone and get his fitness uh, data for it. <laughs> oh, okay, that, that's, that's, that's real, it's real journalism, journalism right there. Yeah, real journalism. <laughs> um, so yeah, the man. other the other two things I noticed uh, just and this was just like watching some drills. Limblom looks a little quicker, which was great to see. That is good. Uh, just not. Not necessarily like his top end speed, but he looked like he was getting to it faster, which I liked. Like there were a couple of times where he went around the corner on people on okay. like rush drills. I'm like, yeah, I remember him doing that last year. And, uh, and for a guy like him, being able to do that little Braden Shen JVR cut into the net move is the difference. Be in like that's a ten point swing right there, yeah. ten more points because you can do that. And the thing about Limblom too is that. He's progressively gotten faster every single year. Like, I remember mm -hmm. when he showed up at his first development camp and he was actually slow. And every year he's gotten just a little bit better. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, just because a guy hits the NHL doesn't mean they stop improving. Yeah. Especially when you're still in your early 20s. Like, you can continue developing in the NHL from a physical standpoint. And I'm hoping that Limblom took another physical step forward think this about, summer. Think about what Wayne Simmons was in LA yeah. and what he became when he hit his prime. I'm here like he went from third line guy who might be killing some penalties to legitimately best power forward in hockey for like it can ha it does happen especially yeah. when you hit that age I would love to see Limblom continue to get better and he's like a fifth round pick who is a regular in the NHL and a real contributor that's huge that's the first, first late pick round right pick there. first late round pick they've had that looks like is going to hit in a really long time how'd Strom look I thought he didn't look as bad. I, I actually can he skate yet? He had some moments where like he was skating and then he picked up speed. Uh -huh. And it was like, oh uh -huh. man, I don't remember him ever doing this before. No, wow. it didn't his skate, little guy. His skating stride did not look as, so did fast. not look as like obviously bad. He's still slow. Like he's still his, his legs don't move that fast, but it looks like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing from a technique standpoint, which is a step up. So I, I, I'll keep a closer eye on him over the next few days, but I watched him and was like, yeah, it's looking a little better. Hurt's going to be right about Matthew Strom, and we'll never hear the end of it. Strom's <laughs> never going to be Travis Konechny, no. but if he can just keep up, yeah, like, he's got a really high ceiling. He just, yeah, like he's we good just, at all the other stuff. Yeah, it's just we need you to keep up, buddy. Even if you're the third guy in, you know you need to be third, not fifth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so he's wanna, hanging back with the goalie. I want to get to this Dave, uh, this Dave Isaac interview with Ron Hextall from the Courier Post. I found it good. I found uh, I, I enjoyed a lot of these Ron Hextall quotes because I think they mirror a lot of the things we've been saying about this upcoming season. And I'm going to read this first one. Uh, this first one first yeah obviously i'm gonna read the first one first oh, um bold strategy because i just it, 
it finally puts into perspective, hey, this is where we are. This is where we're going. He says, quite frankly, we, we expect to take another step forward. We've got a lot of young players on our team that can get better. Again, adding, adding JVR and Christian Folan, we feel like we're a better team, and now it's time to stick our nose to the grindstone and take another step. He also said, I mean, I can say it all I want, and our players can say it, but we've got to do it. It is time to take another step. <sighs> that is so good to hear. Like, And he goes on, and we'll get to it later in the interview. He says, you know, for the last couple years... We have been treading water, and it has been our organizational philosophy that our veterans are going to kind of just do what they do, and we're going to go as far as they take us, but we're not going to put ourselves in cap trouble. We're not going to do the stupid things we were doing before that put us in this hellhole of mediocrity. We're just going to let it play itself out. We're going to load up on the farm system. We're going to make the organization better from the bottom up. And now we're here, and yep, I opened up the piggy bank this year. And look, I gave a guy seven million bucks, and we still have ten to spare. Like, it, are these I'm the really, flyers? That yeah. doesn't sound like a flyers thing. I'm really excited about Ron Hextall saying this is a. It's time to take a step forward because I also think that's also saying, "Hey, Davey, hey, Dave, time to win a playoff series, Dave." <laughs> like I read that in there too a little bit. Yes, are the flyers gonna make uh, get shirts made that say "Take the next step," like "Vengeance." Take the next. I step. mean, I could see it. I just want it, it's it's like lame enough that they would. Yeah, go. 100%. <laughs> the, 100%. I think Philadelphia Tea Party. The hype up video is just gonna be everyone in American Pie at the hot dog place saying "To the next step." Somebody somebody asked me that in a Q and A I did in. Maybe it was like early August or late July or something. Basically asking, you know, is Dave Haxel on the hot seat? And my answer was no. Like, no, Dave Haxel is not on the hot seat. Ron Hextall trusts him. Ron Hextall believes he's the guy. However, and this is important. It's pretty rare in the modern NHL for a coach to last with his team longer than four seasons. Yeah, there mm-hmm. are not that many. There's like four. I think uh, Dmitry Filipovic did a uh, did a, a like a did some research on that earlier in the summer. I think there were like three or four coaches with jobs that had been with their team longer than four years. This is year four for Dave. So like, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat because he's not. But if they don't do anything this year, that seat warms up pretty quick because most coaches don't stay with their team this long. It just doesn't happen. No, hockey is a hockey is a high turnover sport in terms of coaching. Yeah. Like, you know, Peter Laviolette hired in late 2009 is gone 3 games into what 2013? Uh, 2013, 14. Was yeah, that I think the year? so. Yeah, I think that was the year. He went from the toast of the town, like, yeah. oh, Lav, he's the best coach we've yeah. had in forever, yeah. like, to get rid of him, get and him this, out of there. Like the patience they've already had with uh, Grant. Say we're at Thanksgiving, and they've started a ten-game losing streak again. Oh boy. Do like because Hextall has openly said. Hey man, it's time to take another step. And hey, I just gave JVR seven million bucks, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, saying it's time to do more. Like, is he then on the hot seat? I don't expect this to happen again. I think this is a good team. I think this team is built to take another step as long as we don't get down to Peter Morozik in net again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as long as Zoolander. as long as as long as Neil Little isn't coming out of retirement to play ten games in a row. Hey like, man, I don't know. That may be good. It, it's Alex probably Lyons better in the future. He might be. I mean, Neil Little is the guy they use in all the alumni games because he's the only he's the only goalie who's still young enough to like survive in those alumni games. (laughs) 
Uh, like, is is he on the hot seat? Like, what would it take for you to say he's actually on the hot seat? I mean, a ten game losing streak, absolutely. Okay, hundred percent. But but that would that's not even just because of the ten game losing. That's just because they did it again, and it's you just kind of. I don't know how anybody could watch that and be, and think themselves like, okay, this guy keeps coaching teams these massive losing streaks. There might, there <laughs> yeah, might be a problem bad. here. There might be <laughs> something going on here. Meanwhile, Hugh Jackson's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so uh, some more some more highlights from the first part. This was a two-part interview. Was They asked him about, is there an update on Wayne Simmons? He said he won't uh, negotiate publicly with Wayne Simmons. Uh, asked because he said, hey, maybe if you can't get something long-term worked out, because obviously that's what Wayne would probably prefer. Is there a short-term deal that maybe you could get to? He said he has no update and he won't negotiate publicly. Uh, this one, just, my God, I can't get over because we spent a lot of time recently talking about the penalty kill. He said, on the penalty kill, he brought up the 80% over the last 25 games again, ignoring the fact that Matt Reed was part of that personnel and saying, if we have the same personnel, we have to be the entire year like we were the last 25 games. We can't be at the bottom of the league. Of course, that 80%, 80.2 whatever it was, over those last 25 games was only like 14th. But considering they were 29th for the whole year, it was middle better. of the road is more than enough. But the reason part of the reason at least they were a little better is Matt Reed and he is no longer here so the quote if the personnel is the same well it's not so what are we gonna do <laughs> I mean I guess they lost Philpola and that probably helps but I will say like the defense as we were getting into earlier the defense should just be better because Ivan Provorov is growing into a true yeah. number one and we're going to give some other guys some more opportunities maybe Robert Haig's better and no more Manning yeah no more Manning man yeah, he was well, in the, he was in the rotation a little bit right there's been a lot of talk recently hasn't there Charles about TK getting some yeah that was uh, time on the that PK. was reported by uh, by Sam Carcitti he uh, he kind of tossed it in a column and I wasn't sure if that was just him surmising or if he had actually heard that and he mm. did he confirmed today that Hack did indeed say that TK was going to get a look on the penalty go. With Which his, I'm into. They have, cool. they have so little speed at the top. Yeah. yeah. They can't challenge cross ice passes at all. Like I as I want to see Oscar Limblom just cuz he wins battles and he's a good, you know, two-way player, but the dude's slow. Yeah. You said he looks more fast, he more fast. He more looks faster. faster. It's actually not a bad uh, way yeah. to put it. More <laughs> Still below less, average, less like, slow. Yeah. Less slow. He looks, he <laughs> looks less he slow. From dirt slow to less slow. <laughs> like I, Simone Gagne, an all-time great flyer, and his goal scoring is one of the things he'll always be remembered for. But his two-way play and his ability to yeah. at least challenge, You're not wrong, at least challenge up at the top on the point defensively and on the penalty kill is something that I think is underrated in his game. And if dude, it's the Mike Richards special. Yeah, I mean, that was my favorite thing about his game. He would pick off those cross-ice passes uh, on the penalty kill, and it was amazing. If you whiffed a little bit on that, that point to point, he was gone. He was gone. He was gone. And Travis Konechny has not only the ability to use his speed. But also convert those opportunities. Yeah. He is a guy who can score, and he scores on on breakaways. I would love to see it. Me is too. he going to be good at it? I don't know. But if you're going to give him the opportunity, uh, what are we going to be worse? Well, They're 29. Like you that's might as point. well throw everything at the wall because it can't really get worse. So if the idea is let's see if our good players are also good on the penalty if, kill, I'm all right with if it. If you're let's the fourth see. worst penalty kill this year, that's that improvement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to at least moving up towards mediocrity is at least going to give you a few more wins. Ron Hextel is openly saying, 
over the last two months when we were just middle of the road, that's what we're trying to get to. And obviously that's like, if he's being honest, that's a true goal because, oh yeah, we're going to be a top 10 penalty kill again. Like we were when we had Richards and Carter. Well, no, we're not because we were just almost dead last. Yeah. Like, so if they get to 14th, that's a vast improvement. And for a team that had 98 points, middle of the road penalty kill, could really improve this team. I would be thrilled with a middle-of-the-road penalty <laughs> like if kill. If the power play is a little bit better and the penalty kill is a little bit better, this 98-point team could challenge for a division title yeah. in a division that has the last three Stanley Cup champions in it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, two, I guess, because Pittsburgh won. Uh, they, lo- they won the last three yeah, in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else was in this? He brought up Foleen again and how he could he could potentially help the penalty kill. I guess that's a thing. Uh, he said he would like to add a penalty kill forward, uh, but nothing has made sense yet. Well, they uh, wanted to add one all offseason. Yeah, yeah. Like they, that that was that was something I was certain that they were going to add somebody. That that was like a lock because it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the of the offseason, where if you go out there and you say. The penalty, like the penalty kill, is unacceptable, and you don't change the coach. You're essentially implying that you think the problem is the personnel. So if you don't change the personnel either, then what the hell did you and do? And all the personnel is exactly yeah, like yeah. then what did you do? Like, yeah, so <laughs> you're just hoping it gets better. And again, it very well could. But he is still looking to add a penalty kill forward. He said it would be like a lateral move. Like I took that as well. If Wheel's just an offense guy, we'll yeah. trade him for just a defense guy, that. and that's what it's going to be. Does. If Wheel doesn't, if Wheel doesn't win the three C job, job yeah. yeah, that's I, that's just how I kind of interpreted yeah, that. I, I think you're on the you're on the mark there. Yeah. So um, when the Packy Ready thing happened, like he's kind of a I, I re, like he got signed to that extension and everything, and he had you know a little bit of say in where he got traded, but. I was like, oh, well, there's a guy who could help a couple different spots. But, you know, if you got to give him a $7 million extension, I don't see that happening for a 29-year-old when yeah. we have Wayne Simmons just sitting there in basically a similar situation. Uh, anything else people found interesting about this uh, this interview? There was something about it that enraged me, and now I can't figure out what it was. That's why I put it in the outline two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, so it I couldn't have been that bad. Would you say you have misplaced rage right now? I don't know if I'd say misplaced. (laughs) This one part about uh, the future I found, because I've said, like, I think in terms of uh, the Wayne Simmons situation, I've said for a while now, I think what he can bring to a team looking to win its first playoff series in several years um, is worth more than the second or third round pick you're going to trade for him. You're going to get for him in a trade at this point. Uh I just believe that we have enough assets. Wayne Simmons, if he's healthy in the 30 goals, he's going to score for this team more important than this future. But Ron Hextall refutes that a little bit, says you've always got to have a future coming. I don't care how good of a team you are. You've always got to have young kids coming. That's been a big part of our focus the last four years. Probably you'd be, you'd say it's been our main focus. Now it's sort of like, okay, we need to take a step here. We also can't lose sight of the fact we need young players coming. So he's kind of saying now we're trying to do both. It's yeah. before, yeah, we were just letting Drew and Voracek, whatever. If they had a down year, we're going to miss the playoffs. If they had an up year, we're going to make the playoffs. And now it's we've stocked the team. We've stocked the farm system. We're going to continue to have an eye towards the future, but also maybe we'll keep Wayne. I don't know. This is a little bit of a mixed signal the, here. The Simmons 
thing is just going to be so fascinating to see it how it is. works out. It is really, yeah. I mean, you've got one of the most popular players in town, easy. Like I've always said about Wayne Simmons, this is a guy who was born to be a flyer. Yeah. You know, he's just got the full package for Flyers fans. But at the same time, he's undoubtedly going to be, and deservedly so, looking for a contract that's above what the Flyers should be paying him. And when you look at, like I just mentioned, what Packy Reddy just signed in Vegas after getting traded. And look what Tom Wilson got. Yeah, Tom Wilson. You're, and uh, Jesus, if I mean, like the literal the, the garbage Reddy deal is almost like a best case scenario in a lot of ways. I mean, my dream contract, if you're going to sign back Simmons, is like three years, six Ooh. mil a year. But Too many years. I, one too many. <laughs> <laughs> but like... A four and seven, like I, I could live with it. I guess. I mean, it's probably an overpay, but like it's better than seven or eight. I know you want the long term deal for some strange reason. I just because I think if he's providing the intangibles he provides, and you're overpaying him a little bit at the back end, but he's giving you good fourth line minutes still on the PK and doing that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. I'd rather that than overpaying now. But and this is something I want to get into now. Look at it, this Noah Hannafin contract. If this is what Ivan Provorov's looking at, maybe you, you can. Because I, I, I'm always trying to... Six years, $4.95 million average annual va- value for uh, for Hannafin in Calgary. Of course, he just got traded there for in the in the Dougie Hamilton deal. Uh, he was on an... Ex- he was... Yeah, on an expired, he was a restricted free agent on an expired entry-level deal like Provorov will be at the end of this season. So if this is kind of the blueprint, that's less than I was expecting. Maybe you can give Simmons that $7 million that I'm not really all that excited to give him. So just real quick to go back to the Simmons thing. Um, there was an interesting article on one of the SB Nation blogs, the Blue Jackets blog, The Canon, today about the value in letting a good player just play out his contract. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of related to the idea that if you're a team that is actually going to be in contention, which theoretically the Flyers could be, then what you end up with with Wayne Simmons is a guy playing for his next contract on a team that's making a playoff push. So there might just... I mean, you've talked about this a lot, that you would rather just let him play yeah, out. I would then. rather him score 32 goals and say, see it and get a yeah. huge deal than move him and not get those. And then who's our third line right wing. Yeah. I like, thought it was interesting like, just because are, a lot of people seem to get lost in the idea that if you just let them walk, then you're not. It's a getting, huge loss. Yeah. Like, yes, for, and if you're in the Islanders and you need to rebuild because you're losing a legitimate right. superstar, like, yeah, that kind of hurts. Like if the senators just lose Eric Carlson, that's going to really hurt their legitimate rebuild. However, the flyers have already rebuilt. Yeah. They've already rebuilt. They have Nolan Patrick. They have Morgan Frost. They have Ivan Provorov. They have Travis Sanheim. Like how many top end guys can you put? Like, I, I just don't care about the two second round picks they're going to get for Wayne Simmons. I'd rather win a playoff series or two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand the asset management argument, and I agree that, like, in this world where, like, all that matters is this idea of value that, yeah, it makes more sense to move him if you're not going to re-sign him. But I think there's legitimate—I'll say the word—legitimate intangible value to this team this year taking a tangible step forward. Yeah. And, and not just in terms of making the fans happy, but in terms of basically— 
convincing not just the organization, but the players on this team, the young players on this team, that this team is going places. I, I want their confidence. I want them to believe that this team is on a real upward trajectory, and I want this to be like the start of something. I don't want them to spin their wheels again. And it's about getting out of that middle yeah, and getting into exactly. that top tier. Exactly. And also convincing other potential free agents that this is a place to be like fair, fair. like Toronto yeah. with all their young core and it's like Oh yeah, John Tavares. This is a great spot for me. Just step yeah, right into it. That's team. a really good point. Like, yeah, you want to look and you see Ivan Provorov, Shane Gostisbehere, Nolan Patrick, Travis Konechny. Like, we're looking at who's going to be the three C. And I joked about Frost beating out Nolan Patrick and all that, but like Tyler Sagan's going to be a free agent potentially. Eric Carlson's going to be a free agent potentially. These are guys I would like to legitimately consider the Flyers and if the Flyers have won a playoff series or two, it's a more it's just a more it's attractive a situation yeah. than the team that hasn't won a playoff series since 2012. You're not wrong. And and a classic example of like look, hockey players are great, but they're not like they tend not to be the most of critical thinking types. Yeah, like classic example no. being Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne was obsessed with getting out of getting out of Colorado. He he is fine with going to Ottawa. Yeah, <laughs> and like the you know the only reason why he was fine with that because they got to the conference final. Yeah. He wasn't looking into yeah. like actually this team is a dumpster fire. It was yeah. well they got to the conference final last year so they must be good. They I'll go there. Good, come on. And that's something I wanted to get to now. At first, uh, there was an article from when we were off. I think it was like right after our last show, and then we took last week off, so it was a little while ago. Simmons kind of provided his own little uh, contract status update because Ron Hextall just the other day said, no, there is no update. Simmons kind of just said, it is what it is. Said, I think they've had preliminary talks, but eh. This might just play itself out. Uh, the negotiating period right before he hits free agency might be when they get something done. Hextall has a little bit of a history. Uh, I can think of Neuver and Belmar as guys who got midseason extensions. Um, I think they're just in a position where neither, like they're talking, but neither side has a full understanding of the value of Wayne Simmons right now. So nobody mm -hmm. wants to put pen to paper. Like the Flyers aren't sure if Wayne Simmons is actually falling off a cliff. And Wayne Simmons isn't sure if it's even smart for him to sign a deal yeah. because if he has a bounce back year this year, then his value goes through the roof. So both sides are kind of de-incentivized not to agree to something. Now. I was going to say, there's very little incentive on either side to get anything done right now. You look at what these some of these guys are signing for and Wayne Simmons like, I'm a regular 30-goal scorer. If I just do what I normally do and am healthy and hit the free agent market, like the captain of the Flyers, Claude Giroux, says, oh, yeah, Wayne Simmons, heart and soul of this team. Yeah. Like, what like he's going to get overpaid based on his intangibles, and he just happens to be a guy who, when healthy, has all the other parts of his game as well. He kills penalties, he's great on the power play. Like, I, I just I don't see an incentive for him to sign early either. Yeah. Yeah, no incentive for him to sign early. And again, I think Wayne needs to evaluate how much he thinks he's worth. And look, this is probably his last big contract. So Wayne Simmons should go out and yeah. try to get how much he thinks he deserves. And like we said, after being criminally underpaid for his prime. Sure. That's the other part of it is he was scoring 30 years, uh, 30, <laughs> scoring 30 goals a year mm -hmm. for less than 4 million average annual value. Like, You've been getting ripped off, my friend. You know, if you want to go out and get paid, I will never hold that against you. You deserve it as much as anybody in the league. But you just brought up it's this team needs to. We were just saying this team needs to get out of that middle. And this was something from the Athletic uh, this week that I think we'll get a little more into uh, on Ice Sport Radio. But 
NH, they, they put out a list of NHL team tiers and they asked, you know, players and executives and, and, and coaches to kind of rank the teams into uh, one of five categories. And it was the legit cup favorites in the cup conversation, in the playoff mix, just outside the bubble and lose for Hughes. And uh, the Flyers came in. A little lower than I would have them, but I understand it. They're in the playoff mix. Uh, this was a, like, uh, you had to rank them based on this 1-5, to five, 1 being legit cup favorite, 5 being lose for Hughes, and the Flyers came in with a 3.2, which means they got some 4 votes, yeah. which I definitely don't see them there. And I can't say they're, like, my view on them is they're taking a step forward, and I always say if you can win one playoff series, you can win two, and if you win two, you're in the final four, which means you're in the cup conversation. But from an outside perspective, obviously, I'm optimistic. I'm saying, like, best case scenario, what I think is going to happen yeah. is that. I just, I don't know, three points. If they were a cup, like, if they had a 2.7, I would be totally fine with it. There are quite a few teams in this tier three that I don't think should be up, should be ahead of the Flyers. Like, Colorado, Edmonton, Florida, Dallas, Calgary, all of those teams, I am confident the Flyers are better than and tier one what because the legit cup favorites it's Tampa Nashville Washington Winnipeg Washington has the exact same scores Nashville and Winnipeg if they weren't coming off having just won the cup yeah they're in the tier two oh, right? absolutely. Oh, absolutely right yeah. okay that's what I thought tier two Toronto Boston Pittsburgh St. Louis Columbus San Jose San Jose intrigues me they like, are I, because like to me they're more of a tier three team maybe they're just getting by on a little reputation like I know I they have some exactly good players is, but yeah. like uh, they, they, they're they're kind of on this trend, yeah. You know, downward trend. Even, like, even their guys that you think are young aren't that young. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, well, that, San Jose. Your old Joe Thornton like, didn't help that. Oh, that's crazy, right? <laughs> uh, like, I'm looking at Columbus. How much better do you think Columbus is than Philly? Yeah, I mean, I've talked that, about how like, I think Columbus has a high upside, but I also think they have a high, a very low downside. So they're. I don't think I'd have them. I don't know. Maybe I'm such they a downer right around the team. I don't know why. Like I just don't believe them. No, Columbus. No, I'm, I'm with you 100 yeah. percent there. I don't believe them either. And as much frauds. as I, like, as much as I want to say Bob yeah, Rossi's the best goalie in hockey, you need to do it the playoffs before I believe you can. Right? Do I think he's going to eventually? Probably, but he hasn't yet. So and, and he's gotten chances. It's yeah. not like he hasn't been there. And th I think last year was the first time. And Charlie and I have spoken about this uh, at length, I believe, on Ice Sport Radio. Like. Last year was maybe the first time you could say, yeah, but they're not even there without Bobrovsky. Like, last year they had a good team, and he still wasn't very good, and that's a little concerning. But how much better do I think they are than the Flyers? Not very. Like, Edmonton got a better average than the Flyers. Edmonton <laughs> has Connor McDavid, and they are trash. They're wasting Connor McDavid. Yeah, they couldn't, infuriating. They couldn't make the playoffs with Connor McDavid on an entry-level contract. Scoring and now he, the most points yeah. in the league. <laughs> and now he averages $12.5 What kind of team? Where they put like, are you yeah. really betting on Milan Lucic bouncing back? I mean, he could, <laughs> but how? To what degree? Well, to thing, what degree? Yeah. He's definitely not. One thing that's fascinating to me about this, because the the way they put this together is they basically asked a player, a coach, an executive, and a scout. Like yeah. they, they went with hockey people. At the athletic, Dom uh, Lucician is doing the um, he's doing the like basically the stat based 
version yeah. of this. The Flyers have not yet came up, and I'm not going to give away where they are, but they're substantially higher than they are in this, which is interesting to me because there's clearly a disconnect between what the numbers say this team can be and what people in hockey believe they are. And I understand it from an outside perspective. Like, this is a team I believe in, but to get where I think they should be, they do need to take the next step. Like, yeah. it is... It's an improvement to be where they need, like, where I think they are. Sure. Well, I think you can kind of also tie in, you know, you're talking about the perspective around this team, you know, the outside perspective yeah. on this team. And I think you can also tie in, like, if you notice where Claude Giroux fell in heart voting and everything, yeah. the Flyer superstars aren't respected as superstars. That's fair. Se. That's fair. And I, if I was looking at it from an outside perspective, I'm thinking, you know, Claude Giroux stunk for two years. And then had one great year, and what's he going to, like, I'm not penciling him in for 95 points that's if fair. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. an executive from Arizona. Right. Like, I'm, that's just not what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really think there's anything odd about an outsider underrating this team. I just thought it was a little low. Well, yeah. Like, they got a 3.2, and if they were at a 2.7, I'd be totally cool with it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I thought yeah. it was a little I agree with you. I agree with you. That's the grouping they should be in, but yeah, a little low. All right, guys. Wow. It's we run out of things to talk about when we don't have stuff. <laughs> I would like to point out that I've been okay. distracted this whole show by the fact that this week's wrestling shirt looks like a penguin shirt. Doesn't yeah, it? I noticed that too. Oh, I hadn't yeah, even thought about it. Yellow. I hadn't even bit. thought about it. I guess you wow. can just, just like argue. So I guess penguin. you just argue it's a tribute to Mac and then go. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Come on, man. All right. Okay. Calling him out at the end of the show. Wow, I'm guys. Delete it. All right. So hockey's back and we'll <laughs> uh, that's one thing I did want to talk about is, uh, hey, subscribe to our podcast and rate us really highly. Uh, we've, yeah, we would really we'd, we would really appreciate all Definitely your support subscribe. coming into this uh, coming into this year. It's a huge year for Broad Street Hockey Radio. It's a huge, huge year for uh, for the Fly Perbly, the whole SB Nation family. If you can support us in any way, sharing, rating, telling your mother and father, hey, man, when you're when you're spreading propaganda on Facebook, also share the also share when Broad Street Hockey goes live. Take a like break from the fake every, news and spread yeah, our stuff. Every little bit helps. Uh, we would really appreciate yeah. it. Steal your parents' phones and yeah. auto-download the podcast. Our listeners on our <laughs> the Broad Street Solid Hockey advice. listeners, the, the Broad Street Hockey radio listeners have forever been incredibly supportive and just absolutely awesome. Anytime we've asked you to step up, uh, you've done it. And you've done it great. Our, our, our watch parties, our, our draft parties, everything. Our Patreon. This is totally free. All you got to do is subscribe, share, do everything you can. It would be a huge help. Uh, guys, I think that's all we have for this week. This is a show that didn't go over an hour. I think we I don't know what that's like. I think we crushed it. I think we did. I think it's okay. I am sweating also. I'm freezing. <laughs> so. And you're still freezing? You made me turn you closed, off the air, she made you me closed close the, the air conditioning vent. I am dying. I called it all times. <laughs> that I is all the time. That is all the time we have uh, for Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. For Steve, for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, who's missing, have a great week, everybody.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.